tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Max show. Good to have you with us today. Uh, Mark, there is something happening with a, a minor league baseball team oh? called the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> and they have, it, it's it's incredible. They've brought back um, some of Major League Baseball's entertaining players, you know, like Bill Lee. Okay. Bill okay. Lee was a Major League pitcher for some time. They called, but he was, he was his own guy. Okay. Kind of, they called him the Spaceman. Okay. That's how weird he was. All right. Um, then and uh, then there was a uh, uh, oh Dame, uh, Damon Dame, Johnny Damon uh, Johnny Damon uh, had a great year with Oakland and then uh, ended up with Boston okay and and had a great career in Boston but he was always a little out there right. he was on there the other day and I'm wondering I'm going what is, what in the world's going on with this you know why why is this team the Savannah Bananas having Matt Damon who's older I mean Johnny Damon who's older than me out there you know playing. And then I look at Bill Lee, and I think Bill Lee's old enough to be my dad, you know? And yeah. what in the world? And it's just, it's funny because, you know, these guys can, you know, just because they're older doesn't mean they can't still throw or right, play, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I don't, I I guess they're just, I'm going to have to look more into it. At first I thought, oh, it's just a, a gimmick, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know huh. what the Savannah Bananas are, but they have these really bright yellow uniforms. And <laughs> the the teams that they play have, like, pink uniforms and uh, uh, yeah it's like what what are we doing here i mean i'm digging it okay it i'm does, not does, uh, does, does joe or sheriff joe arpaio is he in charge of minor league baseball now is it where you go if you misbehave in the major leagues <laughs> because, I, <laughs> because the, this out. the uniforms the bright yellow uniforms the bright yeah. pink uniforms i mean do they make them sleep in tents outside is that, is that yeah, what's i don't know on? but it's like dude they're they're like, um, we've got a pitcher on the mound. Who's, they're dancing. Okay, first of all, you've got the you're you're looking at if you can imagine, you're seeing from a like if you you know how when somebody shoots a video on their phone and they don't hold it horizontally, they hold sure. it vertical. Oh, I hate right. that. Oh, yeah, I know you do. I know you do. And so, imagine the vertical picture, and you're looking from right behind the catcher. So you're sitting there. You can see the umpire, the catcher, the batter, and then yeah. straight out, you can see the pitcher. Obviously. Well, to get it in the camera, they pull the second baseman and shortstop in, and the center fielder comes in shallow. They're all doing a dance, okay? Mm-hmm. And then at the, the while they're dancing, the catcher spins around dancing in uh, while he's squatted. Okay. And then somehow at the end of the dance, the pitcher throws a strike. And it's like, I couldn't even see the pitch, you know? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. I, I, oh, they're performing. It's a TikTok video. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but it's awesome. And <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, Hey man, I'm, I I never made it to the majors. I never made it to perfect. As a matter of fact, I pretty much stunk it up after high school. I'm, I stunk it up after 13. Okay. Yeah. But I wonder if they let me play. You know, I wonder if, <laughs> it's just a thought. I've seen you walk. You can't do that. Yeah. Oh no, I can't walk. I certainly can't run. Yeah. But but hey, I I can throw it still. Um. Well, even then, I have to ice my arm down. If I play with if I play with with Braylon for more than 15 minutes, I'm icing my elbow, my shoulder, mm-hmm. my knees. I yeah. look like I've been in Iraq, Yeah, but I look like that when I get up in the morning. So, you know, <laughs> oh, well, I got to find out more about this because I love baseball and I love people doing some fun stuff with it. It's not a boring game, you okay. know? All right. Um, I, I, granted when I watch a baseball game and it's a one, nothing game after nine innings. Okay. Mm. A lot mm. of people would go, how did you stay awake? I would be like, how did you not? Okay. <laughs> so. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And I'm wondering, Mark, if we've got a stupid criminal on the phone here, if we've got another airline attendant, what's going on with this particular story, Mark? Well, <laughs> there's a guy from Massachusetts. He was arrested for trying, allegedly, I have to, to, it's legally, I have to say allegedly attempting to stab a flight attendant in the neck with a broken metal spoon three times during Uh a flight from Los Angeles to Boston on Monday after attempting to open an emergency door. He clearly did not listen to James Gregory, you know, sometime in the past. Yeah. 
Francisco Severo Torres. Francisco Severo Torres. We have all three of his names, so he's in deep trouble. He's 33 years old. He faces one charge of interference and attempted interference with flight crew members and attendants using a dangerous weapon. Torres was arrested at Boston Logan International Airport and will remain detained pending a hearing. Now, that was set for yesterday. It'd be interesting to find out what happened with that. During a United Airlines flight from Los Angeles to Boston, the crew, the flight crew, saw an alarm that a door in the plane had been disarmed. And after inspection, a flight attendant saw the door's locking handle had been pushed out of the fully locked position and an emergency slide arming lever had been disarmed. Hey, back up, Mark. Yes. Uh, I went ahead and looked to see what happened in court. Actually, the hearing is set for today. Oh. It'll be later today. That is today. Yeah, Thursday. It's Thursday. Yeah. My Sorry. Day. You know, I told just, you. I just, when, when I got yeah. here this morning, I told you my whole day has been upside down yeah. so far anyway. So days of sure. the week, pff, that's up to you. Gotcha. You, you can just take, you, you can handle the days of the week today. Um, well, oh, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> a flight attendant who saw Torres near the door went to talk to Torres about the door who asked if there were cameras showing he tampered with the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> According to court documents, the flight attendant then notified the captain that they believed Torres posed a threat to the aircraft and that the captain needed to land the aircraft as soon as possible. Soon after, Torres allegedly got out of his seat, mouthing something before thrusting towards one of the flight attendants in a stabbing motion with a broken metal spoon, hitting the flight attendant on the neck area three times. Torres was then tackled by other passengers on the flight and was immediately taken into custody after the flight landed. According to a criminal complaint, Torres told investigators he broke a spoon in half in a bath uh, in a bathroom on the plane to use as a weapon. He also saw, uh, told law enforcement that he tried to open the emergency door and had gotten the idea to jump out of the plane, according to the, to the complaint. Torres told uh, investigators he was trying to defend himself and tried to stab the flight attendant because he believed they were trying to kill him. The flight attendant felt the object Torres was holding in his hand hit him in his shirt collar or on the shirt collar, uh, shirt, uh, yeah, three and his tie three times. Uh, United Airlines says it has banned Torres from flying on future flights following this incident. What? That's it. <laughs> that's a big old duh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But that's it. <laughs> I'm sure there's more, but jeez. Uh, yeah we, we've had all these these stories about people getting unruly on flights but this is crazy time it is i'm really uh, a little saddened by the the la- the i don't know what we're seeing here there's something they're not taking i mean yeah yeah you, you know what mark eventually people get so lackadaisical about things you mm-hmm. know when when the best you can go the guy tries stabbing people regardless of what he uses goes crazy on a plane the best you can come up with is he can't fly on our airline again yes okay yes well then today he's got that hearing today i have a feeling the outcome of the hearing today will be that this guy is taking bicycles everywhere from now on life radio.fm it's the mark and mag show and Mark has lived in, uh, well, I have not lived in an HOA, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I was going to one time and said, I can't do it. I just, I'm not buying the house. So <laughs> the reason is there are people in life that um, they're not successful in other aspects of their life. So they'll take it wherever they can. Sometimes it's at the PTA, you know, mm, they yeah. become president of the PTA. They become head of the little league team, the league or the softball league or whatever, you know? And so when you have a homeowners association, you're going to have somebody who's in charge of yeah. the homeowners association yep. and it's going to be that failure in every other aspect of their life. <laughs> and they just become the president of the HOA, because to be honest with you, if you have a life outside, you know, of your home, um, you don't have time for it. You know, you have a life, you have success. You have six. What do successful people do? They don't worry about the length of somebody else's grass. Okay. Right. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the homeowner association person is, the he is the school hall monitor who oh grew up. Goodness, that's what i look yeah. at yeah and those dorks don't need to be in charge and that's one of the things i and you know how i when you click on something in facebook it keeps showing you more of that kind of stuff well i get i get hoa horror stories 
Right. <laughs> That's what I get. It's, it's, yep. And I and it, and I'm sorry. They've got me. They've nailed me. I look at oh. every one of them because because some of them are just like, you live in this neighborhood. I mean, wow. how do you keep living in this neighborhood? Well, a through a new survey says that roughly a third of homeowners, either in houses or condos, are in a homeowners association. And a recent survey finds that uh, most like it. Most actually like being in an HOA, even though the fees can be a source of frustration. A lending tree survey found 57% of HOA members said it has made their lives easier. Exterior maintenance, landscaping, and security top the list, as well as sports and leisure amenities. HOAs do enforce rules, which is generally a good thing. But they're also notorious for being fussy about adhering to those rules. Uh, Jacob Channel, he's the chief economist at Lending Tree, says an HOA telling someone who hasn't cut their grass in three months that is it's probably time to pull the lawnmower out is probably well within its rights to do so. But on the flip side, there are some HOAs where it can be sort of, oh, your grass is a quarter of an inch too high. Trim it now or face our wrath. <laughs> For the good and the bad, Channel said home buyers should carefully research HOA rules and regulations before buying. He says HOAs certainly aren't for everyone. He says if you're kind, the kind of person who really values conformity and security and things being sort, uh, sort of prim and proper the way they are, an HOA may be for you. But if you're the kind of person who, I, I don't know, wants to build a gymnasium in their backyard, eh, you might want to reconsider that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. HOA fees also can add up. Lending Trees survey found dues average from $291 a month. Um, they, they average around $291 or about $3,500 a year. Good gravy. You know. We lived in that HOA. We've lived in one HOA neighborhood, and that was over in Trustful. And you were, you, you and you guys yeah. came to the house. You know what oh, it's yeah. like out there. Yeah. It was, I mean, and it, it was all these little uh, garden homes with uh, not not really big yards and, and everybody, you know, th- th- there was not anybody going around measuring your lawn. You know, right. they wasn't like that. But the guy who was the president of the HOA eventually got voted out and mm-hmm. someone else became president. And he was so angry, he sold his house and moved. Wow. When he, when he wasn't head of the HOA. That's right. He yeah. couldn't be king anymore, so he left. Wow. <laughs> Man, that's what I mean. That's the person you have to fear because they're crazy. They're <laughs> lunatics. I know they're it. not successful, so they're going to take out their failure on you and mm. your yard. One of the HOA horror story things that I read told about a guy who had been called in to, uh, uh, to measure um, for certain chemicals in a creek in some city, mm-hmm. in some uh yeah. municipality and this was what he did for a living he you know so he he gets called in and he's measuring the uh, the chemical content of in this creek because they'd had some thought problems with fish or something and the further up the creek creek he got day by day the stronger the chemical content got until he got to an area where there were a bunch of kids playing in the water <laughs> and, and he tells that he and there's a woman in a lawn chair and all these kids out there, and he's and he's looking at the at his little vials with all the stuff turning these bizarre colors because it's just it's actually really poisonous in the creek there. Mm-hmm. He says you need to get these kids out of here right now because it's dangerous to be in this creek. And she's angry. She fusses at him, and he stands his ground. And he says, "If you don't get these kids out, then the police will be here in a few minutes to get these kids out and take them out of here because this is dangerous." And she folds up her lawn chair, gets the kids out of the creek, and takes off. And it turns out she's the president of the HOA in that little neighborhood. And the reason the creek is polluted is, is because she has required every home in the place to over-fertilize their yards. <gasps> and the runoff is running down into the creek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Yikes. And then she, there you go. she gets fined for it. She loses her position as the president of the mm. HOA. And then she sues him. Wow. Wow. There's your HOA president, kids. LifeRadio.fm. Mark and Mac show. And, you know, as we're heading into summertime, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, people talk about getting ready for summer with their beach bod, you know, working out, dieting and things like that so they look good, you know, in a bathing suit. And I'm going to be honest with you. 
there aren't a lot of people over the age of 30 that look good in a bathing suit. Just saying, you know, it, especially and, if you had kids. And those people are competing in different competitions and maintain a 0% body fat level. So. Right. For the rest of us, you just have to learn how to wear your shirt properly and, and don't show off your gut. I, I mean, Mark. <laughs> you, you become yeah. know who you are and be comfortable mm-hmm. in your own skin embrace That's the best thing. embrace the dad bod that's what you got yeah. yeah and well and you know what when they named it dad bod several years ago i thought well that's about 20 years too late for me come on <laughs> you know? but anyway the headline says i got abs tattooed on my stomach yes. to be summer ready mm-hmm. a guy in the uk came up with an unorthodox way to get himself toned up and uh, get some nice abs, a good six-pack for summer, and do so really, really fast and with no exercise. He had a six-pack tattooed on his stomach. <laughs> An Instagram video details his hyper, uh, detailing his hyper-realistic beach body art procedure is currently blowing up online with more than uh, 247,000 likes so far. Dean hmm. Gutter, he's the tattoo artist, tasked with the procedure, said it's been one of my most unusual requests. Uh, Gutter, who runs Color Realism Tattoos in the UK, said the unnamed customer wanted his body ready for summer without having to exercise or change his eating habits. Uh, he says he always wanted to have a six-pack, but he's not too keen on doing going to the gym or doing a diet. So I decided that by getting a six-pack, he decided that by getting a six-pack tattoo, he will always look summer ready. And the images in the article are very realistic. I mean, the mm-hmm. guy's shirt is pulled up, and at first glance, it looks like he's got just this rippled abdomen. Just this, just it looks like he's been at the gym every day for hours. But it's really? all a tattoo. Hmm. And we're not talking about the short guy that's saying the pain, the pain. <laughs> we're not talking about Fantasy Island. <laughs> all right, I'm looking at the pictures now. Okay. Yeah. It's freaking me out. Just saying. I'm telling you. <laughs> hmm. Well, Mark, you know, we mock what we don't understand. Now I feel like an idiot. I'm getting this done. I'm doing it now. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And Mark, oh yes. my goodness. I can't, this just hit me. I almost called you yesterday during the day because <laughs> I was noodling around. Pardon me. When uh, I had to take a chill pill for a little while yesterday, yeah, and so I'm yeah. on my phone looking around, and I saw <clears throat> I was looking at when what was the date of the March '93 storm, the actual day, and it's the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Those were the three days of the impact of okay, what is yeah. you know referred to as the storm of the century um, in 1993. In from about Montgomery, Alabama, north, uh, snow fell like never before. Yeah, it was and crazy. It, yeah. it, it was a train wreck for over a week and a half. Well. At that time, I was in eastern North Carolina, and uh, me and Rusty Mace uh, working. And uh, anyway, while that was going on here in Alabama, the snow had everybody up here shut down, right? Right. Well, we, we being in eastern North Carolina, had a storm of the century happen as well. Huh. Um, what happened is a tropical storm formed over Moorhead City, Atlantic Beach area of eastern North Carolina, right there on the beach. It just, uh, it formed. In that same period, March 12th, 13th, and 14th. Okay. And it stayed there. So imagine, usually, you know, you see, we, we track the storms coming in. You track, a, it's a tropical storm, it'll become a hurricane, and then boom. Well, in this case, there was no tracking of a storm. It just began, it got windy, and got more windy, got more organized. And next thing you know, for three days, it was a pounding on eastern North Carolina. Wow. So I was without a power, without power for almost two weeks. At the same time here in Alabama, people were without power for over a week because of the snow. It was just, the difference was after the destruction and uh, the storm of the century in eastern North Carolina and the power was down, it was warm, okay? Yeah, yeah. Here, it was freezing cold, so people that lost power would take their frozen food and put it in the snow bank out in their back porch, you yeah, know? Yeah, they did, And they were yeah. fine. But we lost it, you know, it was hot where I was. So anyway, just throwing it out there that there was that week, that was so bad here was also bad in other parts of the country. And I didn't know it. I didn't realize, you know, that was also the one. Remember that movie that came out years ago, the perfect storm. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, the fisherman. Okay. Yeah. That was around the same time. So huh. anyway, yeah. It just, when you type in superstorm March 12th, 
13th and 14th of 93, you'd be amazed at how many quote unquote storm of the century stories you get about different storms. Wow. I thought surely, yeah, you would think surely, right? You have a foot and a half of snow in parts of Alabama that don't get snow. Right. That would be a storm of the century. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, that is what's coming up in a couple of days. The uh, it, it is the 40th, uh, 30th anniversary mm. of the storm of the century. Of so the blizzard of 93. Years. Yeah. Right. Mm. Isn't that crazy? I just remember going outside and, and the snow drifts around the house being being like three, four feet deep. It was just... Wow. I, and I remember, from crazy. My, I remember from my childhood, the deepest snow I'd ever seen was just under a foot. I want to say, oh wow! The number that comes to mind is eleven inches. I, because I keep thinking right. somebody kept saying, "Yeah, we had eleven inches of snow," and I which remember is a lot. And which is for Alabama, that's a ton of snow. Yeah. And I remember the home movies of the family cat uh, trying to make its way through the snow, uh, that deep snow, and just hopping. You know, just hopping and then oh, yeah. making another hole and then getting its feet under it and hopping and you know, oh, wow. getting through the snow. But then the blizzard of ninety three hits, and wow. And I thought, I thought we were all set up. I had the satellite dish and I'm talking, this is back before the little digital uh, satellite dishes. I had the big C band, KU band dish in the, in the (laughs) side yard. I had the, you know, I worked for a satellite company at the time. Right. And I, so I, I, I'm all set. We've got that. As long as we got power, we're good. And so we settle in to watch movies and all kinds of stuff because it's going to snow and be absolutely awesome. And uh, the, the picture starts getting fuzzy and things are going wrong i walked outside and the the dish is filling up with snow and i get the garage broom and go sweep it out i did that twice uh, that night and then everything went black and the power went off (laughs) oh man and we had a waterbed and you know with a waterbed if you've got no power you don't sleep in that waterbed or you don't get up because it'll suck all the heat out of your body and you'll die So oh my God. we're sleeping on the sofa and the recliner and stuff like that. It's just, oh man. And wow. a couple of days later, we hitched a ride out. Somebody managed to get a four by four up the hill in our neighborhood. And we, we got a ride out and went to Jane's, went to the in-laws place where they wow. had gas heat and it was warm in the house and it was awesome. Wow. Yeah. Oh my, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And uh, Mark, Southwest Airlines in the news. So I'm beginning to sense the possibility that we're, you know how we mentioned uh, how sometimes we'll have a lot of animal stories in a show or a lot of stupid criminals in a show or Guinness Book of World Records in a show. (laughs) Well, we're now hitting our second airline story of the day. So I'm wondering, is this going to be a theme over the next couple of days where oh, airline uh, stories pop up? You know, I hope not. <laughs> I really it could be not. because we're heading into travel season. Oh, you're right. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. A U.S. jetliner taking off from Cuba had an en- had some engine trouble after hitting birds and had to return to Havana for an emergency landing Sunday. Smoke entered the cabin of the plane. Nobody was injured in the incident involving Southwest Airlines Flight 3923 from to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The Boeing 737 was carrying 147 passengers and a crew of six, according to Southwest Airlines. Birds struck one of the plane's engines and its nose shortly after takeoff. Southwest says the pilots safely returned to Havana where customers evacuated the aircraft via slides due to the smoke in the cabin. The travelers uh, were put on another flight to Fort Lauderdale. So, (laughs) okay, why were you in Havana in the first place? Come on. I know. I, ah, Mark, I just, I, you know, we (laughs) go ahead. No, I, I'm not. I, you know what? My mama told me if you don't have something nice. <laughs> oh my, this is something you hear about, but it's a very rare thing where yeah, planes yeah. have an encounter with birds. Mm-hmm. And it's what broke. It's what brought down the, the thing, the jet, the, on the Hudson river, right? right yeah. Yeah, Sully. Yeah. Yeah. Sully, yeah. yeah. I, it was birds and yeah, it's just, and it's, it's, it's something that air airports face constantly mm-hmm. they have all these different measures they have trained dogs yeah. they have weird speaker systems yeah. set up they have all this other stuff to frighten the birds away to keep this right. from happening 
Of course. I'm not suggesting we should hire alcoholic hunters to go out and do stuff. <laughs> However, you know. Well, in Cuba, I mean, what you going to do? I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 they're not going to spend the money on this kind of stuff in Cuba, I would guess. Because all that money's being funneled into whoever's bank accounts, run, you know, whether you're running the country at the time, you know, I mean, seriously, I've watched some videos lately. You need to do this. You need to watch some of these videos, Dave. There's a guy and I don't know his name, but his, his YouTube channel is called want to walk W a N N a walk, want to walk. Mm -hmm. And he just goes to these various tourist destinations with a camera and walks around. And he subtitles mm -hmm. everything with interesting information about where he's walking. And he's done, I don't know, three or four just on Havana, just on right. Havana, Cuba. And I got sucked into this one day a couple of weeks ago. And I've Whoa. watched, I've watched about three of them now. And the tourist section is gorgeous. I understand why people want to go and see it, but it's like any other Caribbean place. You get outside the tourist section. Welcome to Trashville. It's just, <laughs> it's just crazy. It, in fact, one of his subtitles says you're very safe walking here outside the tourist areas, except maybe at night, but you're very safe here. Just make sure you walk towards the center of the street because it's not safe right next to the buildings. Something may fall on you because the oh, buildings my. are falling apart. Wow. <laughs> the city is literally falling apart and the people, wow. the people line up for hours on end. I think one of the things said on average, Cubans living in Havana spend five hours a day in line for supplies. No. And they don't get, it's not like you can go to Walmart or someplace and buy your groceries. You go to a certain place because you get these coupons issued. Today is your day to go get your bread. And you go stand in line behind people for five hours to get bread. And the next day might be your day to go get meat. And you go stand in line for five hours behind people to get wow. meat. That's not refrigerated. And I'm other things like from that. Yeah. Stuff Phil Castro said that's all American propaganda. So there you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who are you gonna believe? Me or your lion eyes? Right. Well, it's the whole Castro family, you know. It's mm -hmm. not because Fidel's dead, his brother is whatever. I don't know yeah. what Castro is making the bank now, but yeah. bottom line, if you want that, this is what we have just not divisive, but bottom line. This is what Democrats think is a good thing. Go to Cuba, go to Venezuela, and mm -hmm. see how they really live. And that's what these idiots want us to live like. Yep. I don't think so. LiveRadio.fm, Mark and Mac Show. I think we would go from an, uh, talking about Castro's Cuba and, you know, <laughs> to Wisconsin. Because, the conversation just kept going, by the way. <laughs> yeah, because here's the deal. When... Wisconsin is is filled with liberals, okay? Oh, it is, yeah. And I've said this before. When my daughter Haley and her husband Kyle moved to Wisconsin right after they got married, they spent three years up there. And I thought it was a good idea because it gave them a chance to, you know, when you first get married, there's a lot of help from family members who are trying to be helpful that you don't need. You really need to establish your own family with your husband or your wife, you know, and depend on one another for all the things you need. And I think it's a really good thing that they did that because it did make them, you know, dependent on one another for everything. And I love that. Uh, you know what I mean? Any bottom line, though, they went to Wisconsin and first Haley's like, Dad, this place is crazy, man. All these people protest everything. They're so liberal. Blah, blah, blah. Three years later, she comes back and, you know, I'm I'm the worst. I'm I'm I am just this side of Hitler, you know, in my thought process. And so anyway, beyond that. It does give you an, a look into Wisconsin, you know, and, and how they live there. Because even when they had uh, when they had Governor Walker, you know, in right. charge, he was a conservative Republican. And you've got all these Democrats in charge. They tried to recall him. They constantly, you know, they, remember how they did it. Impeach mm -hmm. 45 about yeah. Trump. They did the yeah. same thing with Walker. He had a but hard the bottom time. line is yeah. he cut taxes and they fought him on that, you know. And because if you cut taxes, people spend more money and you make more money in the long run. Right. But, you know, Democrats, regardless of knowing this as a truth forever, they just fight against it. No, we need to tax them more. Tax the rich, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so when Walker cuts taxes and more money comes in, they have all this overage. The Democrats are just ex they're ecstatic of all these things they want to pay for now the, with this money. And he's like, no, this doesn't belong to you. This is the people's money. Mm -hmm. It's going back to them. So everybody got a refund. And it was just crazy up there that here's a leader who actually fought hard to do what was right for the people. It worked. 
and he, you know, it worked on every level. And yet those moron Democrats up there still were pushing to get rid of him. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's like, good grief. So whenever we have a Wisconsin story, I immediately think of that. You know, yeah. that these people are so crazy liberals. Mm. That, and, and the thing is that they're not, it's not, we, we like to say that they're dumb. Don't you realize what you're doing? You're tearing this up. You're, dare, you're destroying all this stuff. Yeah. But the thing is that if you have studied and you understand what is behind that mindset, they are not, they are not making mistakes. They're doing exactly what they intend right. to do. They, the, yeah. the process is in yeah. place to tear a system down, to destroy a system, and then blame the destruction, the failure on mm -hmm. capitalism. When, and that's why I pointed yeah, that out right. there. You're going so, from Castro's Cuba yes, and what's going on there exactly. to what's happening. You know, right. so in Wisconsin, a man uses yeah. a billboard right. as so a, this, quote, yeah. unique approach to dating. Right. So like this, he, he thinks he's the first person to ever think of right. it, Mark. Yeah, well, he hopes this approach to dating is going to help him find a future partner. His name is Robert Siegfried. He's 43. He said he's exhausted all other dating options. And uh, he says, dating sites just weren't working for me. Match, Tinder, just none of them were working. Here's a little hint. Get off the dating sites and, you know, have a real life. You'll meet somebody. Um, he's turned into an electronic, he's turned to an electronic billboard along Milton Avenue in Janesville to find the love of his life. By calling the number he lists, he tells local honest women to leave him a, me a message. He said, while describing his photo on the billboard, I like country music, the American flag for the USA. I'm a country boy at heart. Uh. So far, Siegfried says he hasn't had much success from the billboard. Many people who reach out to him, he said, are not the person he's looking for. Quote, you'd be surprised at how many pictures I'm getting. It's crazy. Like just, oh man, next, 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 next. For those who've been, who've seen the billboard in the area, they found the approach unique. Siegfried said the sign will be likely at more locations in the coming days and weeks. He said, I'm just looking for that special someone. Online court records. This is a turn. Yeah. <laughs> Online court records show Mr. Siegfried had a restraining order put in place against him last year for a four-year period. A court also entered a default judgment in a disorderly conduct case involving the town of Beloit late last year. So wow. there's more to his story than is on the billboard. And well, of course would, there is. would explain why he's lonely. But here's the deal. I went and looked at his picture on the billboard, Mark. Mm -hmm. yep. Now he's standing there in country attire. Um, looks like a regular guy. He's got a hat, a cowboy hat on and sunglasses. So you really can't get a good look at what he looks like. Uh -huh. Period. It's just, okay, what, what is your goal here? You know, <laughs> because, <laughs> dude. Just get out. Yeah, go to well. <laughs> I was going to say go to church, but you know, a guy with these kind of judgment things, I guess that's not his regular place for going. Maybe, I don't think maybe so. it's time to look at yourself. Look mm -hmm. in the mirror yeah. and say, "It's not the outside that it's the inside. It's your character." Because mm -hmm. these are character issues. A restraining order against yeah. him. You know, that's a that's a character issue. Yeah. Default judgment for disorderly conduct. Another lack of a there's a maturity issue here. Right. So yeah. I think we know why he has a problem yeah. you know i think it's a safe safe to say that nobody ever said hey it's not you it's me they all said oh it's <laughs> you <laughs> life radio.fm the mark and mag show you know i meant to tell you the other day mark when uh, my my cat you know every morning when i'm getting my coffee little routine he is i don't want to call him like morris being finicky on the food but if I give him food he doesn't like, you know, I try to disguise it and all that, but they didn't have the food he likes, okay? They okay. just didn't have it. And to be honest with you, it, he was out of food, so I just, I did go cheap because it was a fill-in, a temporary fill-in thing, you know? It's like, dude, you just suck it up with this one. It's only a couple dollars. I'll go get, you know, right? I'll get yeah. you what you want later. No, <laughs> no, not even. So what he, worked that way. I, he would, you know, he, he started when he got food he didn't like, he would knock it on the floor, you know, put it up on the counter and, yeah. and he would look at you and use his paw and knock it on the floor. So <laughs> I got him a, a bowl that actually has a top that snaps down. Right. Yeah. And so it's snapped until he gets in there, you know, and then I open it up and, and he either eats it or he doesn't. I don't care. Right. You know, yeah. he'll eat when he's hungry enough, but, uh, I'll open it. He'll look at it and walk away. I'll snap it back down and mm -hmm. oh, there you go. You know, anyway, cause he has taken to knocking the whole thing on the floor and I would oh. give him milk. Okay. Oh. But I would, hey, dude, it's cat food. Here's the bag. See, it has a cat on it. It says meow on it. Come on. 
it's not going to kill you to eat this. And he wants milk. So I give him a little milk. Well, this, this morning as I'm getting all my stuff together, I know he doesn't like the food, but I know he'll drink the milk and he'll munch on a few of the dog, you know, the food things. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm pouring my coffee in this oh, Mark. He took the, the milk bowl. And he puts his paw in it, right? And it's like he's playing with it. Like he's looking at me going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, oh, you're not going to do it because you want to drink that. Uh, I'm not kidding. As I walked away and he realized I wasn't changing out his cat food, ding, on the floor. Wow. No, everywhere. Yep. Wow. He waited until I was until yeah. he knew Jig is up. You know, he yeah. knows he's not getting different food and knocks it on the floor. And I almost ask you, why don't you just feed him on the floor? And then I remembered, oh yeah, dogs. Lots of little dogs. Oh, yeah. 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 So that, that's that's, <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Can't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so anyway. I, you know, I've told you my mom's got this cat that's not her cat. It's a, like a neighborhood cat that she feeds. She's named it. She, you know, it comes in her house. She set up a litter box for it. It hangs around. But it's it's like it's cruising. It's it's like it's kind of like Norm from Cheers, you know. Right. <laughs> only Cheers is not the only place he goes. Right. He goes to everywhere, and everybody knows his name wow. when he walks in. Right. This Man. cat comes to her house, and she feeds it, and she and it won't eat. It's picky, just like your cat. Yeah. It's picky. Right. She and she buys it tuna, and I thought, <laughs> why are yeah. you spending the money on tuna? She said because it's cheaper than cat food. And I said, yeah, and, and I, I didn't know it until the time, but it was, it, it, then it was yep. like 65 cents a can and the cat right. food was 79 cents a can. And yeah. so, so she's buying tuna for the cat. And if the cat doesn't get what it wants, it, it bites her in the ankles, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> follows her around the house and grabs her feet. She's 90. Wow. That cat's going to kill her one of these days, Wow, you know, <laughs> which is, which makes me wonder why, why people why people rescue cats? Why do firefighters rescue them out of trees and things like that? That cat's trying to kill me. Leave him up there. Firefighters in California came to the rescue of a cat. It took a seven-mile ride in the engine compartment of a vehicle. The Modesto Fire Department said a call came in from a cat owner who reported hearing meowing coming from the engine of their vehicle after driving seven miles from their home to the rodeo fairgrounds on the east edge of Modesto. Deputy Chief Darren Jesberg said crews arrived and discovered the caller's cat had crawled into the engine compartment and the feline's foot, there's your word, feline, uh, was was caught in the transmission line. Uh, firefighters were able to free the cat and reunite it with its owner. Jesberg said wow. the cat suffered a minor foot injury and some singed hair, but is expected to make a full recovery. Man, <laughs> I feel bad for that. Yeah. Well, I don't know who, but I'm feeling bad about something. <laughs> In that story, <laughs> maybe it's because the cat used at least two of its lives on that. I know. I do like cats. I'm not knocking them. I do. It's just because they're they're smart. They're I cool. like other I people's mean, cats. We gave up yeah. on them years ago. <laughs> I did too, but Ladonna wouldn't let me because she's Ellie May. There you go. Mark and Mac mornings only on Life Radio FM. Okay, let's try this. Uh, voiceover for the Mark and Mac Show promo. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of promo. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... I don't think so. In a land before time. It's about the Mark and Mac Show. They're on the radio. One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What the... When everything you know is wrong. That's wrong. In an outpost. No. On the edge of space. Space? A girl. No. Two girls. No. Now, no. more than ever. Stop it. A renegade cop. <sighs> a robot renegade cop. You're fired. You're fired. No, you're actually fired. I'm fired. Get out of the booth, Jack. No. I like it in here. LifeRadio.fm, The Mark and Mac Show, and uh, boy, oh boy, I, I called it earlier. I said, you know, I think we're on a roll here, okay? <laughs> and I mentioned sometimes it's animals, sometimes it's whatever, and yeah. airlines, and but here we go. We're back to the nine-foot gator story. Yeah, we are. A Florida man was violently attacked by a nine-foot alligator Saturday at his home in Daytona Beach. 
Scott Hollingsworth told local media that he and his wife were watching TV Saturday night when he heard something banging against the door. He says, I jumped up and headed over and opened the door, stepped out while trying to reach the lights and barely got out the door and got my leg clamped on and it started shaking really violently. It happened so quickly. Wasn't a whole lot of time. It was just a total surprise and shock. We see alligators behind our house. It's a regular thing, but they always keep their distance from us. Hollingsworth thought the alligator was perhaps six or seven feet long and was surprised to learn it was closer in size to a fully grown adult nine at nine feet long. Hmm. He wow. adds, I, I really didn't get a good look at it. When I saw what it was, I stepped back in the house and closed the door and looked down and I had a large gash in the side of my leg. I was trying to put pressure on it. He said he, he had to have surgery on his leg and he's thankful the alligator didn't grab his knee. He said he won't, <laughs> he said he won't get to enjoy riding his bicycle for quite a while. All right, Mark bless his heart. A couple of things wrong here. Yeah. Um, first of all, we need to get our jingle for a Florida man story, you know, Florida man. <laughs> well, but I got gators. It says he, yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got that. And I got this. Right. Jim, the gators don't take no jazz. Well, this one sure oh, did. my goodness. Yeah, so. Yikes. All right, so Mark, Florida man was, quote, violently attacked by nine-foot alligator. Now, yes. is there a non-violent attack by a nine-foot alligator? I mean, I'm guessing many a, an attack by a gator is going to be violent. Yeah. So we got that going for mm -hmm. us. But, all right, a little, uh, just a little note, okay? If you hear noise out on your porch that you have to check okay mm -hmm. if you don't have a window that you can see what's going on outside you need to make one okay <laughs> you don't open the door without knowing what's on the other side it could be an animal it could be a person it could be any number of yeah. things and all of them are bad because they're making noise a noise on your porch and you don't know what it is and so turn you on, don't just open the door and turn on the light first yeah, yeah before you reach so, for the doorknob do that if you don't have a window and a way to turn the light on before you go out there you go out another way yeah. and go around to it and right. see what's going on and because that gives you plenty of time to load your gun and all that or stuff, grab you know? the louisville slugger or whatever it takes yes. exactly right whatever you feel strongly about you know use what? a shotgun if you're not a good shot have a shotgun <laughs> you just kind of in the general vicinity you know what's missing from this story if you'll read through the entire thing, you'll read through it. You'll see what's missing from this story is that they didn't call the alligator a reptile the entire time. <laughs> I know they did say he was almost full length, uh, you know. Yes, uh, yes, but wow. they didn't say they didn't refer yep. to it as the reptile grabbed him around the ankle. That's what they usually do in these stories, yep. you know. We'll have to give them credit for that. Yes. And they didn't mention how his canine and feline got together <laughs> to save him. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and uh boy oh boy i i called it earlier i said you know i think we're on a roll here okay <laughs> and i mentioned sometimes it's animals sometimes it's whatever and yeah. airlines and but here we go we're back to the nine foot gator story yeah we are a florida man was violently attacked by a nine foot alligator saturday at his home in daytona beach huh. scott hollingsworth told local media he and his wife were watching TV Saturday night when he heard something banging against the door. He says, I jumped up and headed over and opened the door, stepped out while trying to reach the lights and barely got out the door and got my leg clamped on and it started shaking really violently. It happened so quickly. Wasn't a whole lot of time. It was just a total surprise and shock. We see alligators behind our house. It's a regular thing, but they always keep their distance from us. Hollingsworth thought the alligator was perhaps six or seven feet long and was surprised to learn it was closer in size to a fully grown adult nine at nine feet long. Mm. He wow. adds, I, I really didn't get a good look at it. When I saw what it was, I stepped back in the house and closed the door and looked down and I had a large gash in the side of my leg. I was trying to put pressure on it. He said he, he had to have surgery on his leg and he's thankful the alligator didn't grab his knee. He said he won't... <laughs> He said he won't get to enjoy riding his bicycle for quite a while. All right, Mark. Bless his heart. A couple of things wrong here. Yeah. Um, first of all, we need to get our jingle for a Florida man story. You know, Florida man. <laughs> well, but I got gators. It says he, yeah. 
Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got that. And I got this. Right. Jim, the gators don't take no jazz. Well, this one should have been my Yikes. All right, so Mark, Florida man was, quote, violently attacked by nine-foot alligator. Now, yes. is there a non-violent attack by a nine-foot alligator? I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing many a, an attack by a gator is going to be violent. Yeah. So we got that going for mm-hmm. us. But, all right, a little, uh, just a little note, okay? If you hear noise out on your porch that you have to check, okay? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a window that you can see what's going on outside, you need to make one, okay? <laughs> you don't open the door without knowing what's on the other side. It could be an animal. It could be a person. It could be any number of yeah. things, and all of them are bad because they're making noise, noise on your porch, and you don't know what it is. And so turn you on, don't just open the door. And turn on the light first, yeah, yeah. Before you reach so, for the doorknob, do that. If you don't have a window and a way to turn the light on before you go out there, you go out another way yeah. and go around to it and right. see what's going on. And because that gives you plenty of time to load your gun and all that or stuff. Or grab you know? a Louisville slugger or whatever it takes. Yes. Exactly right. Whatever you feel strongly about. You know Use what? a shotgun. If you're not a good shot, have a shotgun. <laughs> you just kind of in the general vicinity. You know what's missing from this story? If you'll read through the entire thing, you'll read through it, you'll see what's missing from this story is that they didn't call the alligator a reptile the entire time. <laughs> I know they did say he was almost full length, uh, you know. Yes, uh, yes, but wow. they didn't say, they didn't refer yep. to it as the reptile grabbed him around the ankle. That's what they usually do in these stories, yep. you know. We'll have to give them credit for that. Yes. And they didn't mention how his canine and feline got together <laughs> to save him. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know every now and again you have to kind of update your vocabulary uh it's something that happens as we get older where new terms are used and young people know what they're talking about but those of us who are not so young anymore don't know what they're talking about right it happened to me with anime because i thought somebody's aunt was getting involved in something that only kids did. You Auntie know? May. Auntie May. That's what I thought. It was kind of like when Andrew and uh, Haley were like in the uh, fifth and sixth grade, you know, and uh, they needed uh, somebody to come and DJ their dance. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And this kid kept calling me Uncle Cracker. And I was like, dude, come on. I know I got the white hair and all that, but Uncle Cracker, really? That's racist. And, yeah. And that's when Andrew was like, Dad, he's not calling you Uncle Cracker. Play the song. That's funny. What song? Uh, well, anime fans, whether in Japan or the good old USA, are notorious for certain antisocial tendencies, especially uh-huh. the regulation of their body odor. Sora News, that's a website devoted to documenting and reporting on Japanese pop culture, actually wrote in 2016 something of an ode to the odor of anime conventions, where thousands of fans, (laughs) even the most hygienic, bubble, bubble, toil, and trouble with each other. It says, packing thousands of fans into confined areas for multiple days, often during the summer, produces a palpable miasma. (laughs) <laughs> the exact bouquet is often a mix of excited sweat, dusty, rare merchandise that was pulled out of a storeroom's back corner, and the nourishing grease of cheap fast food. Wow. <laughs> so, let your imagination work on that. Users yes. of the social media site Reddit have long been less forgiving, calling the smell of an anime convention equivalent to a rancid sewer or garbage <laughs> mixed with wet dog. Wow. For Rie Tekahashi, a Japanese voice actress who has a burgeoning career as a singer in Japan, enough was enough. She took to Twitter the eve before her first ever live show on February 26th, sharing a hand-drawn guide of concert tips with her one million followers. Prominently among those tips was the illustration of a person bathing in a more traditional Japanese style, and strongly but kindly suggesting her fans do similar ahead of the show to avoid bothering or offending others with their personal body musk. Wow. (laughs) It's that bad. (laughs) Oh, my. It really makes that whole joke about, you know, getting the guys to go to the comic book store on Saturday night because the only night mom can go down in the basement and change their sheets, you Uh know? And now it makes you thankful you didn't have smell-o-vision every time you saw Captain Sweatpants.
liferadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show and a beautiful day in the neighborhood as we uh, we're almost at the 30-year mark for the uh, storm of the century. Yeah. Uh, we'll be on the March 12th, 13th, 14th in that era. Mm-hmm. But anyway, a lot of chatter and about that storm of the century. And uh, it was funny in that there was a snowfall in Alabama from Montgomery to the north that was just remarkable. So it's a perfect time for a teacher to get uh, his art students together to create a huge snowflake. You yeah, know? yeah. Just glad that the blizzard of 93 didn't have snowflakes this big. Can you imagine? Oh, man, a, they might have. A Texas art teacher and 14 of his students broke a Guinness World Record when they created a massive paper snowflake measuring 58 feet in diameter. Will West and his students at Dunbar High School in Fort Worth worked together to fold and cut a giant sheet of paper into a snowflake measuring 58 feet across. The snowflake incorporates the words Dunbar and Fort Worth. The school said the snowflake has been submitted to Guinness World Records for official recognition. No recognition yet. Hence, they didn't get the jingle. The current record holder made by Northern Illinois University photography students in March of 2022 measured 44 feet and 6 inches in diameter. If you've ever wondered why things happen, it's only because Guinness has a record book. That's it. <laughs> it's pretty much because it. other than that, why <laughs> you would know, you spend time doing this? And what was the lesson learned? I think if I lived in Texas, I would take every record in the Guinness book as a personal challenge because everything in <laughs> Texas is supposed to be bigger, right? So you people in Texas need to get busy. You know that man that was buried in the piano case? I think my papa can do that. <laughs> liferadio.fm mark and mac show um every now and again when you're driving down the road if uh you, you look over and you see like I'll, i'm just gonna give you an example okay years ago i was driving from piedmont alabama uh to uh the Anna, to jacksonville okay? okay which it's about a 15 minute drive uh mostly on a two lane highway seven highway 21 yeah that changes to four lane okay and it is a very quick stray shot. No, no traffic lights anywhere. Okay. Until you get to JSU. Anyway, there was, um, this area as I was driving, I looked off on the right and it was a subdivision. Okay. It had some nice homes, but the lawns, the grass, I mean, wow, it was beautiful. You could see it from the road and you're going, this really stands out. It shouldn't be this way, you know? And I I'm looking at this going, how did all these people, end up with this in their yard this must and i mean i'm looking it up what in the world's go how come this is here and everybody else's it looks like this you know <laughs> it was just beautiful i found out it had been a golf course oh and somebody bought it and said put houses on this and there you go wow. you know a lot of people pay extra to live on a golf course because yeah. there's usually a country club involved right but yeah. in this case they didn't just live near the course they lived on the course wow you know yeah that's amazing. It was. And the thing I thought though, was, you know, when you build the green on a, on a regular, I really just look it up later on today, Google what it takes to build an, an actual golf course putting green. Oh, it's amazing. Look it up. Yeah. yeah it's like you, when you think about having to dig a hole, the size of a swimming pool, just to start, mm-hmm. that's when you know, you're onto something. And yeah. that's what I'm yeah. thinking. If I built a house on what used to be, you know, a golf course, would I want to be in the fairway or yeah. on the green? You know, it's and, just, and that's why they are so upset at people walking on those greens with the wrong kind of mm-hmm. shoes. And and right. when people go out and they joyride around and they get across the greens and stuff, and the and the, you hear about all the the, the huge monolo- the, the monetary damage done to this golf course, right. you're thinking, well, how could that happen? All they did was right. they just ran the golf cart across the green. Oh, <laughs> that green goes down many feet. Like yes, you said, digging digging this the hole the size of a of a swimming pool. Do you remember wow. we used to go play at Eagle Point? Yeah, you know, we'd go after work. We'd go in the afternoon. Yep. go over and play nine holes at Eagle Point. And and that first hole, hole number one, was paralleled paralleled by all those houses that went down. Yes. the first uh, the first tee on the left hand side. It was houses side. on the right hand side. It was hole number two. That's exactly right. And you had to be very very careful about hitting your ball into somebody's yard on that side. Right. You, just out of courtesy for one thing, but also because one of those guys that lived on that no. side 
<laughs> used yeah. to used to collect people's golf balls and then he would screw them to the roots of trees in his yard. Yeah. So you'd walk up and say, oh, that's a Titleist. That's mine. And it's screwed to the root of a tree. <laughs> oh my. I think maybe that guy should have thought twice about living on a golf course. He was just brilliant. That was a brilliant it, play. It's just brilliant, yeah. Well, a Baltimore golf course celebrated the end of the winter season with its annual superintendent's revenge scramble event. That turns the course into an obstacle course for golfers and their balls. The Saturday event at Mount Pleasant Golf Course saw golfers dealing with an un, with unusual fairway and green hazards, including giant box fans, tractors, wooden pallets, garden hoses, hay bales, and more. Ed Miller, he's the Mount Pleasant golf pro, says nasty pin placements, stuff you normally try to avoid. We give them the green light to go ahead and put a couple of them on the slopes today. (laughs) The golf course's website states the goal of the superintendent's revenge scramble is to make the day interesting and fun for the ground staff and players alike. Well, there you go. You know, I think it's funny. I love it. I love Love the idea. Yeah. Yeah. LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mag Show. The uh, theme of today's show is uh, <laughs> animals and high places because we had the airline stories. We had yes. animal stories. Yep. So here we go. A lost cockatiel, mm-hmm. not a cockatoo, right. a cockatiel. Right. Um, the way to think about this, uh, a cockatoo, very expensive. Yes. Cockatiel, not so much. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's like the, lex, the next level up from a parakeet. Yeah, really. Yeah. 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 And we, it's not a big level up. No, it's not really. We had one around the house that that event that got loose and we had the track down once. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Skywheel Myrtle Beach uh, said in a Facebook post that workers there were completing their daily wheel check climb. Imagine that job. Wow, what do I do oh, today? Wow. You climb the Ferris wheel. You're checking Why? all the bolts. Yeah. Can't you, you just bring it to you yeah, one thing at a time like well, you're letting people out? Well, like, unless you're climbing to look at the middle of it, you know. You can't bring that down. Anyway, they inspect the ride, and they spotted a cockatiel hopping around uh, on the ride about 100 feet up in the air. Uh, uh, uh. A worker held out his arm, and the cockatiel came to him and allowed himself to be carried back down the ladder to the ground. The wow. cockatiel was passed off to another worker whose mother was able to connect with some friends who remembered seeing a flyer for a lost bird. The hmm. cockatiel was identified as Joel, a bird missing for over a week. Joel was reunited with his owner, according to Skywheel's officials. He's lucky he's not a big meaty bird, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all having for dinner, Joel? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Matt show. What was it? The sudden stop? Is that what got you? <laughs> yeah, it did. We were talking. Look, we were talking about the Ferris wheels and things like that during the during the, the music. Fear of and, heights, yeah. <laughs> and I just said it's not really my fear of heights. It's not even the fear of falling. And I it's said the fear of landing. It's know? that sudden stop at the end. Yeah, yeah. that's what gets you, man. Holy yeah. moly! Yep. <laughs> and you know, Mark and I both have. Uh, you're gonna, yeah, you know, y'all can appreciate this when you're driving down the road and you see. A tower, an antenna, you yeah. know, radio. Tower, um, you yeah. might not know that much about them, you know, and you don't have to to understand what we're talking about. It's just um, I didn't know that I had a real thing for heights, you know, until I volunteered to get paid to climb a tower at this little AM radio station and change some bulbs. Right. And uh, the only tip I was given by the engineer was where, um, and I think he told me wear Sunday school shoes, you know, wear yeah. church shoes. Yeah. Because they had a hard sole. Yeah. And, like a kid, I'm like, why would I need a hard sole? Well, you don't at first. It's after you've been up there for a little while that the, the little metal stuff you're standing on. Yeah, it's not like a stepladder. These things are nope. like like a, a third of an inch in diameter at the most, and they yeah. start cutting into the soles of your feet. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is that, and Mark and I both have done this, and you get up there, and, and you do have the strap and all these things. Yeah. So it's the thing is, is there are certain things that you don't realize about an, a tower? Um, and, and it's that they are moving, you know, <laughs> that's the big they, thing. Yes. I didn't know. <laughs> what do you mean? It's moving. How is it? 
I remember thinking, hey, man, this thing, I, I got to come down. It's moving. They're like, oh, they all do that. Like, no, they don't. I see these things all the time. Oh, no, you man, don't think about now. it. And even with all of the cables, the guy wires that are secured yeah. to the ground, keeping them from falling over, they still flex. And yeah, and you're up there 100, 150 feet in the air or whatever, and you're feeling this thing moving. And you're, mm. you find yourself with your arms wrapped around it, hanging on. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, it's not a fun thing. And it's giving me the billy right now. I, yeah. You, and your, your youthful bravado disappears in a hurry. I, and you know, I mean, this should tell you everything. Each one of us have done it once. Mm-hmm. We once. did it once. <laughs> <laughs> not doing that again. Good grief, man. But the thing is, is, you know, I wanted, I, I wanted to do a hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be cool. And I remember helping the ground crew and everything else. And then when I got in it to go up on the ride, you know, on the hot air balloon ride. Oh, oh the tethered I, ride. Yeah. Yeah. And because it was at the hot air balloon festival, they do every October in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. And I was a kid, you know, and I, I wanted to help out because it just looked like fun. And I got in the basket and it was a shallow basket, mm. you know, where like it only came up to just above my knee. Huh? And I'm like, how do you uh, not fall out of this thing? Yeah. And the guy was like, you got to be careful. I'm not getting up on this if I have to be careful. I thought the only person had to be careful was the dude that was taking us up and bringing us down. What do you mean? I I mean, for real, Mark, I'm an amateur rider. I'm a dude. I just, I don't know what this is. I don't understand anything Mm. about it. You know, heat rises. Okay, fine. We're up in a balloon. Ooh. But no, I, uh, oh, even now it's making me freak out, you know? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, if you had to do a fitness test today, okay? If I'd they fail. came in and said, Mark, today, <laughs> but based on your age and all these things, you've taken all these things into account, and, right. but we just need to get a baseline. How many pull-ups could you do, you know, and you know, arms, it doesn't matter your hand position, do it the easiest way you can, Yeah. but how many pull-ups, official yeah. pull-ups can you do? That's, uh, you know, pulling your chin up over the bar and back down and up again. How many? Um, I have a note here from my mom. <laughs> okay. Epstein's mom. <laughs> that's right. It signed it. It signed Mark's mother. Wow. That's right. <laughs> Man, I remember the last time I did a. You ever done a stress test where they put you on a treadmill? They straight they, they wire you up like a rhesus lab monkey and they yeah. put you on a, a treadmill. The last oh, yeah. time I did that, I wanted to get the guy's name so I could come to his house and kill him. Because oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but not, they're they're people who are fitness enthusiasts. They do all kinds of stuff. They're in the gym all the time. You you know the guy, the CrossFit yep. guy. The guy, you don't, he's like a vegan. You don't have to ask him if he exercises. He's going to tell you he exercises, right? Well, <clears throat> here we go. What is that? It's a, it's a major <laughs> award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It looks like a lamb. An Australian fitness enthusiast broke a Guinness World Record by completing 8,008 pull-ups in 24 hours. That is 8,008 okay. more than I could do. Jackson Italiano... <laughs> Attempted the record for the most pull-ups in 24 hours, male, in Sydney, New South Wales, to raise money for charity uh, for the group Dementia Australia. Are these 24 consecutive hours, or can they be spread out over a period of time? Like a year? Um, Italiano Italiano said he was inspired by his work in a care home. He ended up raising nearly $6,000 for the charity. Italiano completed 8,008 pull-ups in 24 hours, smashing the previous record of 7,715. He ended his attempt with three and a half hours to spare and says, I had to unfortunately leave the last three and a half hours unused as I had completely exhausted myself. Oh, wow. No doubt. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of pull-ups, man. I couldn't, you know. No. No. I bet, and I mean this, I bet. I couldn't do five, uh, five. Mm. <laughs> like I said, I have a note from my mom. <laughs> I just know why I, I get it that people want to show off, but they've worked hard and all that, but yeah. no, no, I, no, I, thanks. 
Can we do the one where you talk about it? We can do the, you know. <laughs> if we could talk about it for a number of hours. Yeah. Hey! LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, uh, Mark, this story about Valentine's Day, and you know, Valentine's Day in this story, I'm thinking for a brief moment, did I miss it again? <laughs> you know, or, I know, you know. I know. Okay, you did too? <laughs> yeah, I did too. All right. I did too. I don't feel bad what did, what did I right. miss? What? Did, what? Yeah. But it's about not, not this past Valentine's Day or the next Valentine's Day. It's valentine's day in the year 2046 because an asteroid could hit earth on valentine's day 2046 that'll put a damper on your romantic plans if you're still around then the space rock which is named 2023 dw has been observed by astronomers who predict it may impact the earth on february 14th of 2046 2023 dw was first discovered in chile at the end of February, and is predicted to have a 1 in 560 chance of hitting the Earth. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) NASA said the asteroid has an average diameter of 49 meters and is currently 11 billion miles away from Earth. However, Oh my goodness, we need to start preparations now. I know we do. Put on the bubble wrap. However, if the asteroid does hit, it would not likely cause a global catastrophe. Back in 1908, a similarly sized asteroid of about 160 to 200 feet exploded over a sparsely populated eastern Siberian forest. That was Tunguska. You might remember the Tunguska event. It it caused a 12 megaton explosion that flattened an estimated 80 million trees over an area of 830 square miles. Whoa. You should, if you've never heard of it, you should look up Tunguska. Okay. It's, I never heard of it. It's actually, it's, it's one of these things that the, the uh, UFO guys say, ah, that was aliens, you know, that, <laughs> that was, but it, it looks like uh, it, it's almost like an atomic explosion, right? Because it just, it, it exploded in the air as, and if you're not aware mm-hmm. of it, atomic explosions are all right. set off above the earth's surface. Right. And it exploded in the air and it flattened trees for about 830 square miles. Just but it, forests. Okay, this yeah. let me, just to give you the brief one. 7-17 um, a.m., mm-hmm. June 30th, 1908. Right. A huge object exploded. And it doesn't even say it. It says a huge object. Okay, uh, they're leaving this. This is the history today thing, hmm. which means they're going to have this on History Channel and, <laughs> and not even ancient aliens. You know, this, Coming right. up right after the search yeah. for the gold. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a huge object exploded six miles above the stony Tunguska River area, mm-hmm. central Siberia, causing an atmospheric shockwave that circled the Earth twice. Yep. Circled the Earth twice. Yep. For the following two nights, the skies of Europe and Asia were u- unusually bright. Mm. So. Yep. And it happened. When it si- happens again. Yeah. It, it happened in Siberia where there is nobody. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> nobody saw yeah. what happened. Nobody saw what it was. It's all speculation. It's an alien. Like I said, this was when they came back. They were these these guys came back. They were supposed to return with Bigfoot, the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> you know. And then they didn't find them. The conehead said, "We're out of here." <laughs> Boom. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kill this. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show weekday mornings on LifeRadio.fm.